The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Reamer, and today I am joined by Joey Bakowitz. Thanks for coming, Joey. I appreciate it. The pleasure's all mine. I mean, the day I first met you, just the energy. So I'm really, really excited to to share your your insights, your experience, and for people to get to know you a little bit more better. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So why don't you start by sharing your sort of journey into the real estate industry? Well, um, I uh, I'm a Chicago boy. Been here basically all my life, and uh, I um, kind of been ambitious or wanted to do, you know, do things. Yeah. And uh, I was brought up in the, um, you know, Wicker Park and Bucktown areas and stuff like that. And um, when I grew up, um, when I was growing up, it was not the greatest neighborhood in the world. As a matter of fact, I said, you know, I was one of the few kids out of my grammar school, St. Stanislaus Cuska, that I always knew I was going to go to college, even though I came from a working class background. Yeah. So I said, I want to go to a good high school. So I went to this place called Weber High School. I could have walked the Holy Trinity. I had a scholarship to Gordon if I wanted to be a priest. But right. um, I went to Weber because it was a college prep store. And I'm not tech, you know, I don't work with my hands and stuff. Long and short of it, if you're uh, in high school in Chicago, um, to get your diploma, you have to pass the Illinois Constitution exam, which is a real gimme. You know, you read right. the exam, uh, read the Constitution a couple times, do some prompts on it, and you pass it. So it was a real um, kind of BS class, you know. Yeah. And it was head by a guy named Mr. Rourke, and he was tall and had a real suit on, and um, he just opened it up to questions and answers. You know, whatever, All it was all boys. Catholic school, and so they'd ask him, the guys would talk about girls and questions and birth control and booze and drugs and all that, and everybody was Mr. Young Mr. Somebody, and mm -hmm. I was Young Mr. Bakowitz. When it came to me, he said, Young Mr. Bakowitz, uh, what's your question? And I said, Mr. Rourke, my mother's a cleaning lady, my dad works in a factory, how do you become a millionaire? And he just said, young Mr. Backwoods, real estate. More millionaires made in real estate than any other field. Wow. From that day on, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, I, got, I always wanted to be in real estate. And that's the spark that, Interesting. that I got. Was Mr. York also an investor of some kind? Did he ever give you that sort of hint that he did it himself? No, I don't. I don't think so. I, he, everybody there owned their own homes and owned them free and clear, yeah, and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I don't think he was an investor. I think he was just a, a he was a good-hearted teacher. I was right. a layman, you know, and Mr. Rourke was uh, was a good guy, and I always remember that. I mean, that's that's, crazy. that's how I started. So, how did you, from the you know the decision that you made to say I want to do real estate? What was sort of your journey to start that? investment process? What was sort of your education or, you know, how did you sort of dive in? Well, I went there because it was college prep and I went to Notre Dame and uh, I did pretty good over there. I was magna cum laude. I never had any real estate classes. 
And then I got an MBA at, at, at Northwestern, never had any, they didn't even have real estate. They didn't even have anything on the agenda. We had it. And then, um, you know, when I got out, I was uh, just trying to figure out how to do it. Right. Why, at that point in time, right at the time I was getting out, I had a cousin of mine, four years older than me. He went to NYU, and he came back to Chicago, and he was working for a big investment banking yeah. guy. The biggest guy. His name was Ira Harris. I mean, he was like the the greatest investment banker, or one of the top two or yeah. whatever. And he came in, and one of the most important things, I think, in real estate or any company is knowing what you you want to do, what you hate doing, and what you have no understanding or proclivity or liking of it. Mm. And uh, I called him up. I said, hey, let's get together. We got together. And I said, look, I want to start a real estate company, okay? You're a finance guy. You're an investment banker. You do all this. You get the money. I'll pay right. everybody back. That started it. We wow. started a real estate company. Um, it's kind of basically, you know, one of the theories I have, if you want to be in real estate, you got to figure out where you want to go. But, uh, my motto is think bigger and big and crazier and crazy. A hundred percent. And then, uh, due diligence, due diligence, due diligence, you know? Right. But, um, the real estate is a wide, wide, wide open field. And the worst situation you get into is think, you know, what you want to get into. I mean, not real estate in general, right. but there's people that want to do this, want to do that. They think they got to be a realtor to start out. No, no. You know, you got to basically be, I think, you have to be a person that is constantly learning, okay? And um, I've been around for over 50 years, and um, the people that think they really know real estate, they could get wiped out. Yeah, I have friends worth over a hundred million. They got wiped out. And they're great guys. Fifty million, couple of them. One guy uh, was, um, you know, a Polish guy. You know, he came in 1985. He was working in a car wash. When he went down, 350 million dollars worth of property and 95 million cash. Wow. So I mean, you can do it. Yeah. You, you know, in real estate, you could do it, but you got to do. What your your soul, your mind, your personality, where it wants to take you, right? You know, but um, you know, bigger isn't always better, you know. Right. But you know, you got to do the things that I, I really believe. Not that it, that you, you you have a passion for, but when people say do what you love and then you never have to work, I go no, do what you're good at and then you can afford to do what you love. Right. You know, so that's... You got to th do that in the right important. order. <laughs> okay. Well, and, you know, one interesting that you, thing that you said is that you started with someone else. It was a team collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that I've met recently in the real estate industry, some of them are sort of like a one one dog show where they think they can, you know, really control the, the whole transaction and, and they're going to be the ones sort of inviting the other people into the, you know, the, the experience. And sometimes just having that conversation, like you said, with that gentleman, it's just being open to, you know, what can you bring to the table and understanding exactly. your value is really important. No, exactly. And you can't lie about it but, either. But listen, if it works doing it by yourself, you're basically never going to have a partner that screws you. 
Right. You know what I mean? Well, you can't screw yourself. I've seen people well, do that. No, that's, that's <laughs> called self t- self sabotage. It is. Okay. That's true. And uh, there's there there could be all kinds of reasons with that, from the right. spiritual to the, your potty training to whatever. But um, you know, I think you could if you could figure out where you fit and complement yourself with the people that you need. Uh, it could be pretty. It could be pretty enjoyable, right? In a lot of ways, uh, being an investor, I believe, is is greater than being a you know like um, uh, the investment end of it is where I where I always went. I'm a commercial broker and doing stuff like that, but you can also even though you work like crazy in the beginning, if you have the right. Um, foundation or substructure or whatever you you could develop time to spend time with your family too right. you know and develop it and what are some of your pillars for your foundation for success when you first got into the industry what were some of your non-negotiables that really made you successful well this is something that uh i got from a guy named um lou holtz Okay. Okay. He was a, f- a football coach at, at, at Notre Dame. He wrote a couple books, and I read them. And I, this is the advice I would give to people: to live it is one thing. You know, you could say it, but he would always say, "Just ask the people. Just say one. Um, can I trust you?" Mm. And if the answer is yes, and it feels good, that's good. There's three questions: Can I trust you? Number one. Number two: Can I count on you? And number three: Do you care about me? And if you could do that with people, it's good. But the point being is if you have any doubt on any one of those, there's no doubt. Don't do it. Okay. But it's really hard. You know, it it's really hard. You get involved. If, if you don't want to, you know, I always tell people, you know, if you don't want to deal with the crazies and, and all kinds of things with people, or dishonesty or greed or anything or anything that's out of it, you better get yourself a cave right. <laughs> in the, a cave in the, in the Himalayas and uh, don't have any mirrors over there so you can you could right. go forward. You got to be able to adjust um, adjust and be proactive in real estate to kind of make things happen. Right. What are some of the things that you sort of educated yourself on or learned? Uh, through your experience, the best way to sort of start investing for somebody that's really interested? What what, what okay. are some of the things that yeah. worked for you? There's a lot of whatever you want to call them, gurus and people that are experts and they do all this and they talk about house hacking. Okay. People, a lot of people, this is good because, you know, you have a job and you want to get in real estate and they call it like house hacking, like yeah. how you get into it and you buy a three flat, four flat, and live in it. And then two years later, you buy another one. Right. I think that's pretty hard to do now because uh, the multiple, the small, you know, two and three and four flats, those are, are very competitive in nature, very competitive right. in nature. So I, I tell people in my 50 years and probably in the next 50 years, what I believe for everyday people... Sounds like a Sline of Family Stone song, which you never heard of. Uh, there's nothing, How do you know I haven't heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like Airbnb, which is 
Yeah. You know, tissues are Kleenex, Airbnb are short-term rentals. Yeah. There's nothing like that. I used to always tell people the single family home that you have is not an asset. Banks want you to put it there. But all it is is a liability. You need a place to raise kids. You need a place to sleep. You need a place called home. But you got to make money on the outside to pay the mortgage and the gas and the utilities and all this and that. The magic of short-term rentals or Airbnb is you can make money in your own house. You, your own home, you could do it. So what I would say, young people, you want to get in real estate, you got a job and you're doing all this. Okay, great. Then the next step is get the biggest house you can afford where you want to live. I mean, you like the area, you want to live there. Right. And uh, if you want to have kids and get married in five years or you're married now or whatever, in 10 years, you want to have a family. So, you know, make sure there's schools there and stuff. But then the first thing I would do is get in there. You have a bedroom, you have a workplace, and then get as many other bedrooms as you can and Airbnb them out. Now, um, which is short-term rentals, you're not. But what I'm saying is that is another source of income in a place you're living. I, right now, I'm living in a four-bedroom plus den house, and there's just me and my dog. What do guys my age usually do, especially if they're, you know, a lot of guys my age are retired, don't work and stuff. I'll always, I'll always be working. I got another 40, 50 years on this planet, so I'm still going. Right. And, and uh, I rent out three of them. It's unbelievable. I have PhDs coming in there. I have more PhDs than I've ever had in college, I think, there. And, you know, one guy's paying me $1,400 a month, another $1,280, and another one, you know, like a thousand. These are all net of air, you know, Airbnb. So I'd say do that. The other thing, which is the most, there's a few outstanding concepts okay. that I, I bet people, they may just kill it right now and say, this guy's crazy. People do not, real estate people and everyday people and everybody getting out of high school should understand the difference between simple interest and amortized interest. And my, the thing I'm following up on right now is that, hey, what would your life be, your friend's life be, if they owned their homes free and clear? I think that changes everybody's trajectory in life. Correct. From sending kid to colleges and doing stuff, and it, it could make a big difference. And it's a mindset and some discipline with it. And in understanding that difference um, from a trajectory, can you could pay that property off, you if know, you, have it amortized for a thirty-year term, but actually pay it off in less than ten. In less than ten, if you're disciplined enough, without adding a dollar to it, you could probably pay it off in five to seven years. If you add in the Airbnb component, you could even do it easier. Cool. Have you had any pushback from? renters the airbnb um realm that you felt were like uncomfortable or oh yeah yeah okay but you know for what's your how do you deal with that what's your advice for first timers any type of protection that they can you know or screening process that that you would recommend um airbnb doesn't do big a real screening okay in that um, what they do do is they have reports on uh, they they have the government IDs and and stuff like that, and um, they have reviews. And I would say go with the reviews. But the okay. biggest biggest thing is 
and it's part, one of one of their protocols, one of their rules, is that the person that comes to your door has to be the person that registered. Understood. Okay, and I've had a few really. I've only had maybe three or four no good nicks. Okay, okay. that were there, and it's uh, a I good way a, to put it. I had to kick them out. Okay, and uh, they were people that showed up that were set up by somebody else that Understood. came there. Okay. So that so they the, were using somebody else's information. And no, was, no, no, no. It was okay. somebody else that registered it, and then they had some some other friend or, or relative show up, and those were usually trouble things. You know, I only had three or four of those that were bad out of probably five hundred people cool. that I've had in the last five years. Cool. Well, I think that you know the the Airbnb realm. There's there's no limitations. Right. It's pretty much just a room. You set the expectation. So I think having that that freedom, you know, some people think they have to buy, like you said, a huge property or, you know, a four unit to really start in that investment realm. So starting smaller in that that Airbnb realm really gives you more control. Um, exactly. To then go spread your Right. Spread your wings and you can do that again too. Once you develop it, and you know you're making some money, then you could buy four flats. The first building I bought was a 25 unit. I was 22 years old, but I had a cousin who was a finance guy, and um, I found the building. We did it. I managed it, and uh, it's the think bigger and big, crazier and crazy. You know, yeah. but you don't have to do that. But I mean, owning a place and working it. In any way, shape, or form that you have to get it free and clear. You don't have to keep it free and clear forever. Uh, you could put like a HELOC on it or something. Right. And then you could invest in other properties. Right. And in, in your experience, do you think that now in this economy is a good time to invest? What, what, what are your time. thoughts? It's the greatest time. Okay. Everybody's saying, well, you know, the interest rates are higher, 7%, or, you know, this and that, da, da, da. What's, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of people missing mortgage payments. There's going to be a lot of people that are on the verge of foreclosure. And then there's going to be a lot of people that are being foreclosed on. Yep. And a lot of things happen. You're in a bad mood when that happens. You're in a bad mindset. Yep. You don't, most people don't know what to do, but you could really help people. Here's a few things that are out there. One is a thing called subject to that I just learned about. I learned mm. about it five years ago, and we've done it. Somebody is late on their payments. You find out who they are, any way, shape, or form. Used to be have to go to the court courthouse. Now there's programs that you could find them, you know, and stuff like that. Find somebody who's late on their mortgage. They're late on their mortgage. You go to them and say, "Hey, um, how about this?" Uh, uh, I'll just give you an example. It was a fella I I had in Peoria, and uh, he uh, wanted. Long story short, go to my uh, go to realestatemantra.com. That's my uh, YouTube site. You'll see him. He got a house from a fella worth a hundred and twelve five. He got it for seventy four hundred dollars cash and taking over a forty seven thousand dollar mortgage. The guy put a mortgage on the year before because his wife was sick. Mm. She died. He started drinking, doing drugs. With it. And he yeah. said, I just went out. I don't care. So we gave him five grand, keys for care, you know, a key, uh, cash for keys. 
And uh, once he got out, and I said, you know, get the guy his U-Haul. And he got it. He worked it, fixed it up with his brother, made 50, 60 grand. And this was a fellow that had, had, you know, bankruptcy problems, credit problems, but he worked three jobs. Yeah. And then he got a house, lived there for a couple of years, sold it, and he's doing more. Cool. So they, there's when people ask, is it a good market? It depends on you. Right. It depends on yeah. you. We talked about our first meeting of creating the opportunity rather than waiting for the opportunity. Absolutely. And I think that in real estate, that's sort of a slogan. If you're really going to be successful is creating the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't find great deals. You got to create them. Right. You right. have to create them. And I think that was part of your whole journey through development, too. Amen. You know, I think at a time when it was really difficult to to develop, you came up with these opportunities. Well, they were in that uh, the big boys were the guys doing condo conversions. I converted uh, over 1,200 units to condo in the 70s when I was in my 20s. Wow. Okay. And we competed against the big guys. But it, it, you don't have to be big to do it. Maybe today, you know, there's a lot of inst- – we didn't have the institutional investors we had. Right. But there is something that fits almost every personality type. Right. So the opportunity is out there. We just the have to create it. The opportunity is fantastic. And awesome. real simple. Um, uh, my, my best friend from uh, college uh, is from Indiana. And we know each other 55 years, and he was bringing up, Joey, Indiana's the number one fiscal state in the country, and Illinois is 50. I sold 27 vacant homes a couple months ago in Gary, Indiana, to be rehabbed. I sold a 10-unit apartment building that I wish I would have kept, I would have done myself. Uh, And there's opportunities the mm-hmm. opportunities out there, but you got to find them and you got to create them. And right. then you got to pull the trigger, too. That's right. You got to take risks. A, it, what, it, what's really good, though, is if you have a community of like minded people that are that you could work with, bounce ideas off, yeah. talk to them and uh, joint venture with them, do things, check out things right. with them and stuff. This is a real lonely business if you do it by yourself. Right. Right. So. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your your story. And honestly, I can't wait to, to do more with you. Fantastic. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is big time. I like it. Thank That's you. That's right. Tony's Thank you. great. Thank you. No problem. 